The podcast where we attempt to determine which action star has the highest body count in movie history. Currently, by watching each and every Sylvester Stallone directed movie one at a time, I'm Kevin Keane. And I'm Mike Olson. In today's bonus episode, we'll be discussing Staying Alive, released by Paramount Pictures on July 11th, 1983. Starring John Travolta, Cynthia Rhodes, Finola Hughes, Steve Inwood, and Julie Bavasso. Written by Sylvester Stallone and Norman Wexler. Based on characters created by Nick Cohen, directed by Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, this is going to be going up months from now, but we're almost recording on the 36th anniversary of the release of this movie, coincidentally. Uh, yes. Just a couple days off. I'm not sure 36 is a, is a number you celebrate, though. I don't think there's a criterion Oh, no, but the date is close. That's all I'm saying. It's just, we, we came close. Touche. So, okay. I, I can... Let, let me just... Let me yeah, just, feel I'm, free to start. I'm going to lead off. There's no way without this podcast I would have ever watched this movie. No. <laughs> and I would have been just fine having gone to my grave that way completely agree here's, here's the thing <laughs> i have seen saturday night fever i don't know if you have or what your opinions are of it uh i i think the only thing i've seen is you know the opening sequence sure i, I, I mean actually, you're familiar with it as a uh, pop yes. culture yep. touchstone but not yep. necessarily because i i saw it maybe 10 years ago and kind of went like ah this is one of those movies i felt like i needed to see because it's such a pop culture thing and yep. and but i didn't like it that much i thought it was fine I, mean, I thought it was a well-made movie. It did not speak to me in any way. I didn't really relate to it in any way. I can see how that might be of its time, meaning it was relevant you know, when it was out, but it's not a movie that holds up and isn't timeless. I think it's... there. Or yeah, I think both things are true. I think it's definitely of its time. It's very, very much about late 70s disco. Mm. Obviously, all the Bee Gees songs, there's still some Bee Gees songs carrying over to this movie, even though it's 1983. <laughs> I don't know if that was maybe that that could have been dated, but even when this movie is released, but I, I liked it fine. I thought it was okay. That was an okay movie. I, I enjoyed watching it. Meaning Saturday Night Fever. I'll say this: if I had known that this is what Staying Alive was, I don't think I would have suggested we cover this. <laughs> that is fair. I did not because you know Saturday Night Fever is a movie about guys going to clubs and d- d- disco dancing, and there's like competitions and they enter competitions. And Tony Manero's like, "I'm the greatest dancer, and I'm, I'm going to prove it to everybody." It's not about Broadway or anything like that, and there's a lot of reasons for this, and I don't want people to make assumptions about me when I say this, but I have to be honest. I was embarrassed to watch this movie. I found it embarrassing, which is the first time that's ever happened. It's interesting. What, what I guess, is embarrassing? It's hard for me to put my finger on it, and so I don't want people to... I'm not entirely sure why. So I just did. I was just I, like, this is embarrassing. All right, so I didn't feel embarrassed. Um, for me, all I could think of... Going through this movie, and I am certainly not a Broadway fan, right? So, I, no. you know, musicals, whatever. I mean, there's certainly been some that I've gone to that I enjoyed. I've been to the opera. Uh, have I been to the symphony? I don't know if I've actually been to the symphony. Nothing in this is portraying anything no, it, resembling the symphony or it's the not, opera. But I, what I'm saying is that so live music and dance performance or singing performance, it's not foreign to me. It's certainly not my first fo- choice of entertainment, but here's what. So having seen different types of live music performed or live dance, live musicals, they don't translate well to film. And so for me, I'm like, I don't understand why this is being shown in this medium. Sure. I've, most of my notes are, here is a filler sequence because this needs to be an hour and a half movie. Well, yes, that's it's, true. And but it's not a musical, right? It's I mean, not it, a musical. That's no, exactly what I was going to say. That's it's, the problem is that I understand the musical genre of film. I understand where that... 
has its place. I will say I'm not the hugest fan. There are some that I think that are better than others, but I at least see where that fits on the spectrum of film and how it translates to film. I don't think a dance performance like this translates to film. I'll admit, you know, I flash dance all that. What's what is of this time that probably this was trying to capitalize on both being a sequel to a, a successful popular movie and maybe movies of this ilk being, you know, you had dirty dancing, you had flash dance. Maybe it's trying to capitalize on those. I, I just, I didn't understand why this needed to be in the film format. Well, I mean, the first movie is very focused on dancing and, you know, Dirty Dancing, Flashdance, I've seen all those movies and none of them made me feel embarrassed to watch them. It's not that it's not the fact that it's about dancing. They're, they're, you can make a good movie about dancing. And I'm sure if I, I to, a, to a degree, I enjoyed Saturday Night Fever. So that's not it. It's that it's just the way it depicts Broadway. And it's like the whole thing seemed so uh, I don't, I'm going to put my pinky when I say this, but I mean, it's, it all seemed very gauche in a way. <laughs> it just seemed like. I, no play like this would ever exist. I mean, this is more... Satan's Alley wouldn't exist. I mean, I, I mean, I definitely would have been embarrassed if, oh, this is new uh, musical, Satan's Alley, let's go let's buy tickets, and then you go see it, and it, it's this? I would be embarrassed to be in that theater. I guess that's what it comes down to, is it's just... I don't know if it's Stallone's perception of Broadway being not correct, or I don't, I don't even know what it is, but all the dancing in this movie... I, it's I, just none of it, it. It all is just so over the top and so like. I would rather watch Apollo Creed dance in Rocky Four, yeah, over and over <laughs> again than watch this. I, it, to me, well, I don't understand a Broadway show. Apparently, if it's just dancing, does not translate to film. But I don't know if that exists. I don't. I, has there ever been a Broadway show where nobody sings or nobody has dialogue? There's no acting. It's they just go out and they dance for. It, I, that's the thing is it's more of a ballet that that's and to sure. me. Ballet is not a film medium. You you go to, I, yeah, I guess so. Like there's like the Nutcracker and stuff like that, or yeah, like uh, Swan I, Lake, where that, there's no real dialogue, there's no singing, it's all dancing. I mean, we can I guess get, that is a thing. We that can exists. get to the second most confusing thing on this is why Sylvester Stallone is the director for this is my, was mind boggling. Well, I, I looked up uh, the backstory to that, so I could tell you why. Apparently, John Travolta just loved Rocky Three, and he was on the fence about. Well, you know, like the studio is, is spent years because Saturday Night Fever is 77. 76, I think. But uh, I think it's 77 because he has a Rocky poster. I know that's a okay. piece of trivia that Tony Manero in the first movie has a Rocky poster. Well, I was going to well, there's there's some Rocky references in this movie as well. Are they? I, I, I may have missed them. But, uh, well, I mean, the, structurally, it's very Rocky. The story kind of follows that template a little bit. Well, I'm sure we'll get into it a little bit. But um, I, I'm pretty sure Saturday Night Fever is 77 because. It was being made, I think, at the time after Rocky was you're out. Pro- you're probably right. Um, but regardless, it's either six or seven years between the first movie and this. And, you know, Travolta didn't want to do it and whatever, and they finally paid him enough and gave him enough creative control. And, like, fine, you, whoever you want to direct this, we just want to make this movie. And he's like, I just saw Rocky Three and I loved it. Let's get someone who can make a movie like that. And they said, well, why don't we just bring in Sylvester Stallone? And I guess Stallone was a fan of Saturday Night Fever, and so the two in both directions they were fans of each other. Like Stallone was excited about doing a sequel to Saturday Night Fever. Travolta loved Rocky Three, and potentially the first Rocky because there's that poster up. So I wonder if that's right. Travolta was just a fan of those movies. So I mean, that's why it was just. And this is the only movie that Stallone has directed and quote unquote doesn't appear, and he's like a tiny cameo. 
as man who bumps into Travolta yes. <laughs> on the street. Well, I think quite a scarf, as I as I recall, and like yeah, sunglasses. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like it's really like, the focus is on him. I mean, it is kind of a Hitchcock thing when Hitchcock would do cameos. He made sure you noticed them. So I mean, it's not like Stallone's the only one guilty of this. But I kind of like that's maybe a little too much of a. Uh, calling attention to your cameos alone, but okay, whatever. Is it more or less of than calling attention to his brother? You guessed it, Frank Stallone. Oh, yeah, there's definitely plenty of Frank Stallone. I, I I wondered if you picked this movie because you needed. We had been it had been a while since we had a Frank Stallone sighting. Well, I'll, you're correct. We got to hit the stinger first. You guessed it, Frank Stallone. And thank you, since I now know where another <laughs> clip of music from our intros has come well, from. We talked about it when we announced. We were going to do Sylvester Stallone, and I said, I want to keep an eye out for Frank Stallone. And I, I talked about how I enjoy the song Far From Over because it's ridiculous. And uh, <laughs> I just enjoy it. It's, it's, it's got a lot of energy, and it's just a silly song. And it, so in a kind of an ironic way, I enjoy Far From Over. I just think it's ridiculous. Also, because they used it on Saturday Night Live in a sketch, the synchronized swimming sketch. I don't know if you remember from years ago. It was Christopher Guest and Martin Short as... Male synchronized swimmers, and they're like, "Well, male synchronized swimming isn't the Olympic event yet, but we're going to make it Olympic event." And they do they do a choreographed like routine yeah, routine to "Far From Over" by Frank Stallone. Um, it's a really funny sketch. I always associate that song with that sketch. There is plenty of Frank Stallone in this movie, including acting. Yeah, and plenty of songs. I mean, there were basically two things I knew about this movie going in. It was directed by and co-written by Frank, by Sylvester Stallone. Uh, well, three things. It's a sequel to Saturday Night Fever, and the song Far From Over is from this movie. That's basically all I knew about it. So yeah, based on that alone, I'm like, yeah, I like that song, so... So uh, let's let's do a podcast on it. I didn't expect him to be a character in the movie. I didn't know that. That was kind of uh, funny. He's just like... Hey. Uh, well, he does, since we're talking about it, he does have the funniest moment in the movie to me, in my opinion, and I have the clip. We don't play all the clips anymore, but I just had to... I love this. I laughed out loud for like a minute straight. And I had to pause the movie. It's because uh, we, we should do a quick plot summary, I guess, to yeah. set things up. But uh, Tony Manero from Saturday Night Fever. Now he's trying to make it as a dancer. And there's, there's two parallel love triangles. There's him. There's I forgot all the characters. There's Laura, right? Who's like the British lady. Yes. Who's a star of Satan's Alley. And Jackie. 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 Satan's Alley. But yes, Jackie. And then, and then off to the side is Frank Stallone, who is in... He's in a band, and Jackie Jackie sings. So Jackie could be a musical performer because yeah. she sings and she dances. It seems like she's in the wrong production because yes. she can sing and seems like she's a good dancer. And it's like she uh, who knows if she can act or not, but she seems pretty close to. Be, she's at least a double threat, possibly not a triple threat. But uh, everybody, every other performer in this movie, they're only dancers. Yes. So and she seems like a good singer. I think that actress is being dubbed. So I don't think that's her actual voice, but oh, I, regardless, yeah. the, the character is presented as a very good singer. Yeah. So it's and I remember I was watching this scene. So she, yeah, she's in the band with Frank Stallone as basically himself. I think he has a name, Carl or something. I don't he's know. a he's a rhythm rhythm guitarist who you can't. Oh, trust. you can't trust them. I took some personal offense at that. <laughs> I, I don't had know a note that, I was going to ask you. I don't about know. That. I don't. I don't know where that comes from. Why does Sylvester Stallone, the writer, or John Travolta, the actor, <laughs> have who a knows? beef with rhythmic guitar? Yeah, one of them seems to have it in for rhythm guitars. I, I think some of that is just Sylvester Stallone, the writer director, giving his brother a hard time. Probably because well, there was another shot at Frank. Oh, he talks about. Oh, he looks like a pervert to me. Oh, <laughs> a yeah, real the, pervert. Yeah, the first Rocky. 
Isn't it in Rocky? No, in this movie, uh, I'm sorry, I'm doing Stallone, Sylvester Stallone voice, but I'm, it was uh, Travolta saying, like, that guy, that guy, oh, your, your bandmate, he looks like a real pervert, I can tell. Like, I got a feeling about that guy. He's right, like a pervert. That's right, that's right. That's just, a lot of that seems like Stallone, Sylvester Stallone. If it was some, written, if someone else was cast, it probably would have been different. Yeah, I, I don't. It just seems like a, like ribbing. Anyway, getting back to the scene, they're at uh, this band's. This band's doing a performance. And Tony Monero shows up, and she just comes off stage. And even though she's a singer of the band, she comes off stage to talk to him. And they're still performing. And uh, anyway, here's here's the scene. It, it just I'll, I'll. They're gonna cut to Frank Stallone, and it's the cut to Frank Stallone oh, that makes no. me laugh. Really? Really? All right. <laughs> yeah, I don't like that. that look, that singer, and you were harmonizing a little too well. Well, he's a soprano. That doesn't mean anything. How come he's staring at you like that? <laughs> that, cut, that cut to Frank Stallone made me laugh so hard. He is like bopping around. He's still playing his guitar, but he has a look. He's like a death glare on his face. And it's like the contrast between him. He's like everything below the neck is like do 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 do. But he's, he's dancing around. In. Oh man, his face is so funny. I, I think some of that is just. Obviously, on this podcast, we have <laughs> enjoyed poking fun at Frank Stallone, so yeah. I don't know if that's why it made me laugh. But. No, I didn't I didn't notice it as much, but now that you highlighted it, it is pretty funny. Uh, admit, yeah, I thought that was great. But anyway, there's like these two parallel love triangles that resolve themselves pretty quickly, so it's like, you can't even say that this is, this movie's really about that, because... I, well, I, I had a real challenging time. I don't think Laura is a Zeus of the movie, but certainly that relationship. Who cares? Oh, I think of- she's vital because at the end of the in the big Satan's Alley performance, she's the lead with Tony and yes. the whole story so, about I, how they're doing on stage, like they're not getting along or whatever. I didn't. I didn't want to say her character necessarily was, but the the relationship or you know that that love triangle there it was over almost before it started and it seemed to be almost pointless. Yeah, I mean, it was pointless. Nothing in this movie has a point to it. <laughs> like basically, like you could see a version of this where Laura, who's the star of the show, and Tony has this like, you know, it's like oh she's she's really great and she's a great dancer and she's you know she, and she's wealthy for reasons that are never fully explained. Talk about another thing that goes <laughs> it's nowhere. A mystery that's set up and never resolved. So but. many questions about a limousine and just nothing. Yeah, no away. answers. No one knows where she gets her money, and then it's never answered. We don't know. Um, I don't know if it really matters because it's just it a setup that it's like a class thing where he yeah. wants it's he he's he's pining after her because she's a higher class and he kind of wants wants to move up and be like her. And yeah. She sleeps with him and then immediately like shuts him down. Like that was just a one night thing. It's like sorry, buddy. And uh, yeah, that's basically it. He's like, all right, I guess I'll go back to to what's her name, to Jackie. Yeah, and, he, he certainly doesn't treat her very well at all. Well, oh, what I was gonna say is you can see a version where he learns his lesson and says, oh, now I see how I've been treating Jackie the way yeah. Laura's treating me, and I can see how, how the error of my ways, and I'm going to take a lesson from this. Does he ever get it? I don't <laughs> think he does. I mean, he does start treating Jackie better, but it's not clear why, because for a while he still is really like emotionally abusive. He's not like physically or anything, but he's very like emotionally distant and oh, very yeah. like cruel to her. And he uses her. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then even by the end, I'm not sure how much, because he's still, he needed to strut at the end. Well, so <laughs> It seems like he's made progress, and then there's the, it introduces another subplot with Frank Stallone, which also goes nowhere, because it's not clear whether he's even interested in Jackie, it's just, or it's just in Tony Monero's head. Um, but that turns out to be a nothing. And then, yeah, it seems like Tony Monero and Jackie are together, and they're, they seem happy. 
And it seems like Tony has learned his lesson and he's more humble, whatever. And then you get to the production of Satan's Alley, where Tony has wormed his way into the lead role, having replaced uh, Butler. <laughs> that was yes, it was Butler. Butler show. Uh, I, I wondered if that was a, a derisive nickname given to him by the British wealthy uh, Laura. If, if she just started calling him Butler, sure, and it just stuck. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. But then, yeah, during the the show, they have their premiere. Tony just loses his mind and like he kisses Laura. Like I guess he just like is lost in the passion of the dance or whatever. And then there's like but a brief fight, like but then six they have beats after they're finished with the dance. Yeah, she's angry at first and like claws his eye. But then they kind of make up halfway through the show anyway, and it's not clear. But then it's not clear why she becomes kind of interested in him again either, because right. she's asking to talk to him after the show. Because he's so amazing. He's such an amazing dancer, I guess. That, that's what it is? But he literally Lame. throws her off the stage. There's the there's the part at the end where, like... And he does the solo that... Yeah, he, they're having this, like, couple dance, and then he chucks her off the stage. He just literally picks her up and throws her off. Like, you are not in this show anymore. I am having a solo dance that is not planned and not choreographed. <laughs> I'm going to improvise a dance. Then they cut to the director and be like, Oh, Monero, what are you doing? <laughs> And then he, because by the way, Satan's Alley, it, it, I'm sure it's implied, is about a journey through hell, and then at the end of the show, ascension to heaven. ascends to heaven. So he gets on this weird little platform, which I guess is to represent he, he's going to heaven. He's like, oh, come up with me, Laura. And she's like, I don't know if I should, like, obviously this, is, this, this show must be choreographed within an inch of its life. And she's like, I don't know if I should jump on this platform going to heaven with you, Tony Monero. And then she does. And then... Everyone's like, good job, Tony Monero. You're amazing. It's like, wait a minute. He totally went off script. He <laughs> he threw his, his co-star. He, he put his co-star and probably others in physical danger. Yeah. But because he then invited her back, like, oh, you deserve a portion of my limelight, lady. Like, she was the star. She's like supposedely like a famous dancer or She's something. She's got a limo. <laughs> so I don't understand what's happening there. Like, none of it happened for any reason. It's not as if... The movie saying, oh, Tony had a big head and he's going to suffer the price for throwing his co-star off the stage. No, he doesn't pay any price. Everyone loves him and he gets the strut at the end. But then it's also not as if it's saying that what he did was justified or, you know, oh, I used you. Or it's, It'd be one thing if he had a moment at the end being like, she's angry, like, you threw me off the stage. It's like, tough. Everyone loves me now. And I did it to, to further my own career. And sorry you're suffering, but I did what I had to do. If they had that, I would be fine with it. Either way, either say... Either make him pay the price for it or sh- point out how he's not paying a price and how awful it is. Movie doesn't care. He's just like, Tony Monero, he's awesome. He threw his coaster off the stage, and who cares? I just don't get it. I mean, I guess it's just because it's trying to follow a Rocky formula where Tony Monero has to be like the quote-unquote winner. It's a, it's a theatrical performance. Shouldn't it, I, the whole thing be about like making the show good? It's, no, he's, he has to look good. That's what the director certainly is hammering home. The only, I mean, he, he hammers home that point, and then you get to hear him say, again, Again, that's pretty much what the director gets to do in this movie. Sure. And then when things aren't going well, he goes off and broods and smokes and then lets some random guy talk him into recasting the lead of his his play. Here's the thing that I was probably most disappointed. You want to talk about having the rug pulled out from underneath me? I was so excited during the opening credits, even though they went on way too long and were well, they had to fit the whole Frank Stallone song in. You know, Sly's got to do his his brother a favor. Fine. So they did. I'm sitting here, I'm saying, oh, Kurtwood Smith, this is going to be great. I'm going to have a lot of fun with this. Yeah. He literally doesn't get a line because it's all the Stallone song, Frank Stallone song, 
And he's never seen again. Yeah, because he's... It's it's the first scene where Tony Monero is not chosen right. for some he, other show. He gets show. cut from some performance. Yeah, so Kurtwood Swift is off making some other Broadway yes. show that we don't get to see. But that's the director I wanted. He would have been far more interesting than the brooding again. Again, yeah. Monero. Yeah, I, I think I just wrote down a note saying, the villain from RoboCop is here. I don't think I knew his name. Now that you mention it, yeah, well, now that you say his name, it's like, okay, I know who you mean. Yeah, I mean, he's the villain from RoboCop. He's he, been in a lot of that stuff. That 70s show, he's actually on a show on Amazon that I really like, Patriot. I mean, there, he was the, the president of the galaxy in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's a poll I would never guess. That's my favorite role of his, because he has crazy hair and like a, a Fu Manchu mustache <laughs> and all kinds of crazy. He looks ridiculous. I mean, I just, honestly, I felt like it was a punch in the face. I don't even get a line from the guy. He's just, because, and what's funny is sort of that the director of Satan's Alley, he's just, again, again, and then angry and brooding. All you get during the, the opening sequence is just exasperation from Kurtwood Smith. He's just angry almost the entire time. The way this movie, I have no idea what it's like to be a director of a Broadway <laughs> musical, but the way this movie di- it looks awful. It looks, it looks like the suicide rate on these guys <laughs> must be ex- extraordinarily high. The whole, there's not one moment of like, creative epiphany or some no. kind of like there seems yeah, to be no joy right? no it's zero joy there is it's nothing but exasperation and, and intensity frustration yeah yes. and then even during the the premiere um i mean it's his own fault he cast tony monero and tony monero just decides i'm gonna do whatever i want and he's angry but you know it's it's, it's too late now <laughs> you you gotta go with the horse you rode in uh pretty much um yeah i felt bad for uh for butler we never got to learn much about Butler other than he oh, doesn't he, he, dance he, with enough passion. Yeah, so. he's, he's was, I think, I think he, it was said he was too mechanical is sure. what uh, um, Jackie says about him. Yeah. And then she, that's another filler. You get that sequence where they're practicing. Uh, Jackie is helping Tony basically learn Butler's role. So you've got that's like two minutes. You've got the oh, there. There are two minute gaps, at least three or four in this. That when you add it up, it's almost it's only an hour and a half movie, and like ten to fifteen minutes of the movie is just different montages of dancing sequences. That that's what it took me out. I'm like, a movie needs to be visual and audio because that's what the format is. All I'm getting is montage of them doing this. What looks to me like the same dance moves, and I know it. It's probably not. But like this. I don't want to see this. This is not interesting cinema. Well, especially because a lot of the montages are like the dance moves in slow motion with some unrelated piece of music over the top of it. Yeah, it's not the Satan's Alley music. No. Well, the Satan's Alley music is crazy. And that's that's one thing we're talking about. It's just like there's no singing, like no actors are singing on stage, but the music that's being played over the speakers, presumably in this theater, have vocals on them. So like they're dancing and then over the over the Speakers or whatever, whatever, however their music's coming in, because there's no like music, there's no orchestra or any kind of band or anything there. So they must just be hitting play on a tape, and people are dancing to the recording, right? Well, there's growling in it. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's just like fire, do, 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 do. heat. It's just flame. <laughs> what is going on? I know this is about Satan and hell, but it's just either have vocals or have nothing. This is not adding anything. It's not like it's no, singing it's the story of like, you know, this guy went to hell and, uh, you know, it's not like they're st- telling the story. It's just, we can see it's it's hell. It's like the, on stage, it's all like whips and fi- people trying oh, fake fire. No, they're definitely, man, 
you can see how the rumors about John Travolta began as far as uh, there's some like leather daddies like going on. Like, a, a lot of the a lot of the background dancers. Like it's, it's here's the thing. Obviously, this world is probably you know this is early '80s Broadway musicals. Like it's easy to see how there would be like like a lot of overlap with gay culture of yeah. that time. So that's that's not surprising at all. It's like yeah, sure, this is what this movie's about. It's it comes with the territory to to one degree or another. But the fact that the movie doesn't acknowledge it is weird to me. I mean, I know it's the early '80s, and it wouldn't have been as easy to. You know, even acknowledge that at the time. No, probably not. But you can do it obliquely. Like, somehow acknowledge. Like, this movie is just very... It's just swimming in gay culture in a way that the movie doesn't want to acknowledge at all, but it's there. Well, it, it isn't... I mean, isn't the Foundations of Disco part of gay culture, oh, too? Oh, sure. Yeah, so, I mean, even the first, I would imagine, since it mostly... I didn't, you know, see. Yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's, imp- it's more implied there. I mean, it, it acknowledges it obliquely in the first movie, as I recall. Okay. But it's it doesn't really address it there either. I mean, it, Saturday Night Fever is set in Brooklyn. It's not like set in like a Studio Fifty Four type of a club. Gotcha. So I mean, it's it's less of a. You can see how it would have been less a part of the scene in that environment. You know. Yeah, because it's just music within different clubs in Brooklyn. Right. Exactly. Yeah, okay. So I mean, I I just would have liked it to have been acknowledged in some way, even if it was like oh. You know, this guy, uh, uh, what's the guy, I keep forgetting his name, Butler. This guy, Butler, he's got no uh, chemistry with his leading lady, and we all know why that is. Or, you know, just some kind of, like, you know, winking and nod, like, it just seems weird to me that it is, this movie is simultaneously so part of that culture, and yet not a part of the story in any way. It's just interesting. Yeah, and, I, I mean, I don't know how much... How much more I really have on this movie, unfortunately. I did have the two Rocky references, because I think that the the Rocky poster that you're talking about, I think it's in this movie as well. Is it? Yeah. And then the other one, uh, I think it's before... It might be a rehearsal for Satan's Alley, or it might be right before the show. There's a Yo Adrian in the background. It's just like an extra. It's not, it's not you know Travolta or anybody saying it, but I'm like that. That had to be intentional. Oh, I didn't hear that. I saw you know what? I, I saw that on IMDb in the trivia, and I'm I, like I, I didn't hear that, so I'm just gonna. Oh no, 100. percent You heard that? Okay. Well, I would have heard it, but I actually had closed captioning on uh, for this just to make sure that I, I caught whatever dialogue there was going to be since there wasn't nearly as much as there would be in many movies I watched since there was so much just dancing and music. That's true. I wonder how, like, in terms of the number of lines of dialogue I didn't compared count. to most movies, like, it's got to be pretty low because you're right. Just so much of this movie is dancing. You know, so, and one other thing that I wanted to address uh, that we we didn't talk about uh, in, in the opening kind of the um, overview or yeah, the plot summary. <laughs> did we do an overview? Did we do yeah, a plot summary? No, we did. It was it was brief because <laughs> very well, briefly there there isn't much. But Tony's job before this, or at least his night job, that has to be the wor- maybe the worst job of anybody that we've covered in any movie on this podcast. The worst, like it's a bad job to have, or he's bad at his job. No, worst job, like a job to have. He's sexually harassed. He gets changed for a tip from the only yeah. person you see. I mean, it's 1983. <laughs> it was changing. It was like 85 cents. There like, was that's a like pile three of, bucks today. No, there was a pile of bills that went back to that guy. The guy 
organizes yeah. the bills and put those in his pocket and just leaves the change. That was flipping the bird to Monero. Yeah, oh, that was definitely a bad tip, but it's it seems worse now in 2019 versus... I guess. It, was it would a, have been like two bucks, which is still not... I, I don't know what the size of the order was. It... In a you club know, like that, I would, I would imagine it's a per, it was a pretty big order. But then let's get to that he's constantly sexually harassed in this job by, yeah. by customers, by friends. What, what friends? I don't remember that. Well, whoever the, whoever the two uh, groupies, I guess. I mean, or, yeah, they're, they're just they're, – they're regulars, it seems like. They're there all the time yeah, but one of the other they're into Tony. That, one of the other women was a regular and asked, you know why I order drinks all the time? I like the way you wash. Sure. Jeez. Yeah, he doesn't seem that put out by it. I mean, in the first movie, he's very much like a womanizer in a way that this movie scales back quite a bit. Oh, so maybe trying to balance it out and he's getting what he deserves. I don't know. It didn't seem... It didn't strike me as... It, it just struck, struck me as very aggressive women, not necessarily to the degree of sexual harassment. I don't know what the line is. I don't but, know. I mean, he, he has work there. It's not like he's there at the club to meet women. He's He's working. So it's like, yeah, I mean, they shouldn't be. <laughs> it's, it's pretty rough what they're doing to them, but. Uh, I don't know. That seemed like an awful job. So I, oh, it I definitely was, seemed like an awful job. I was job. glad for Tony so that he could quit, uh, quit that job when he got Satan's Alley. He seemed, he, he seemed less put out by it and more just kind of like, he's just rolling his eyes through the whole thing. It's not like he's like, oh, I can't take this. It's more like, all right, these ladies are here again. Like it's, it's, it's not that he found it funny, but more just like, this is what I have to put up with. Yeah, well, it's a living. It's you know? a living. It's a terrible job. Um, oh, it's definitely, he, and he's bad at it. I mean, I think it's clear that what? this movie just, is making, it's trying to make he dropped a, a couple of beers. He got like punched by a guy. He didn't get punched. He was very, he was holding those very shakily. He shouldn't be doing that for a living. You'd think a dancer would have more balance to be able to dart through the crowd. That and, is true. You know, I mean, it doesn't, uh, if, if I was a, a musical director and I saw him drop those bottles, I'd be like, nope, <laughs> nope, immediately disqualified. That would be, just be like at the test, you know, dance while holding these bottles, you know, and they're all bending around and they got to hold the bottles it's up. It's clear there's a reason why you're not a Broadway director. <laughs> well, there's many reasons. That's, I, mean, I, I think that would be, uh, you know. I think that would be one one place where I might be able to uh, find some new techniques, some some new casting techniques. Well, based on this, you it, well, I don't know if you'd want to because I think the likelihood that you would commit suicide, as you said, would probably go up exponentially if you were a Broadway director. Oh, I would definitely not be as exasperated. I would just be like, whatever. I don't know anything about dancing. You guys do what you want. I'd be like one of those basketball coaches who just rolls the ball roll. out there and there you guys you guys you, you have recruit fun. the talent and then you just you roll the ball out there and see what happens. Yeah. Well, I'd be more focused on the music because that's I know I know what about music. <laughs> I I I I don't know anything about dancing. I mean, even watching dancing, I can watch you know these dance performances in the movie. I can watch them and be like, I can understand how somebody would look at this and be like, this is aesthetically pleasing. But it's like I don't even have enough like context direct, no, to know you, whether this is good or bad. Dancing. You weren't paying attention. Dancing is about. Body language. What oh, is about body language? Yes, that's what I learned from this movie. But Dan- that seems more subjective than the rest of the. Th- Most of this movie is saying there is objectively good and bad dancing. Like, if for instance, Butler is not good. Yeah, I, I, nothing. I was watching. I, I, there's nothing uh, from me watching that going like, oh, he lacks passion. It's like I'm being told this because the movie wants me to understand that Butler is not cutting and, it, and Tony needs to replace him. But remember to. Tony convinces the director, I can do this better than that butler guy. Let me try. And they go out there, and he does a terrible job. And everyone's like, oh, my God, that's terrible. I was watching, and I'm like, wow, that was fine. It seemed fine to me. That's how bad I am at like, assessing, like, <laughs> dancing good or bad. He went out there, and in plot terms, everyone looked at that and went, that's the worst dancing we've ever seen. 
I I didn't see what was wrong with it. I was like, okay. I mean, they didn't look. They looked a little out of sorts, but it's like, I well, the ending was terrible. Well, he like almost dropped her or something. Like yeah. that's yeah, that's that's obviously a mistake. But it's like if I had gone to see a show and the dancing looked like that, even if with the mistake, I'd be like, oh, well, you know, I'll cut him some slack. That's tough. That's a tough thing to do. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just don't. I don't have enough would you, like, wait knowledge, a minute, wait a minute, knowledge about dancing to be able to make any kind of like artistic judgment. If, if you go to see a musical performance and the the rhythm guitar is terrible, would you cut him some slack? But oh, I can hear tough. I can hear a guitar. I can't hear their dancing. For whatever reason, my ears are so much sharper but than it, my but eyes. But my point is, isn't music difficult to make? So why would you cut the dancers? Oh, that's pretty tough to do. So I'm going to cut them some slack. Would you do the same thing for a musical performer? No, because my I have a much finely tuned ear, and I can pick out. Well, that's not fair. Oh, well, also, I I I would have much more context about what is difficult and what is not. Like I watch dancing, I just I just assume it's all difficult. You know, if if a rhythm guitar player made a mistake on a very difficult part, I would be more forgiving because I'm like, oh, that's that's a tough thing to play. I I know because I play guitar, but I just don't have that context. That's all I'm saying. All right, fair enough. But if if that's that's my point, the whole this all started from the theoretical like musical that I would be if if I was a musical director, would I be committing committing suicide? No, because I don't care about the dancing at all. You just let it let it all slide. My musical would be no nobody's allowed to dance. You stand in place and sing. You know, I'm going to draw circles on the stage. You, you stay in the circle. You're not allowed to pick up your feet. You face the audience and you sing your part and then you walk off stage. That sounds like a musician's performance, not a musical. Well, it'd be, you can sing a story. You know, not all musicals have dancing or not, not, not all musicals have a lot of dancing. The Rocky musical we watched didn't have a ton of dancing. It was, That's it true. was mostly just, you know, it was very focused on the songs. Well, that was staying alive as far as I'm concerned. You got anything else you want to cover? There's a couple scenes that we never talked about that I just... All right, let's... I, well, I, I found either funny or strange because when... Cause I find it funny that you found things funny because I did not find very much. Just a couple moments to call out because uh, Tony Monero at the beginning is staying in this like flop house. Yeah. Uh, it reminded it's me a, of... It's a hotel. Yeah, but it's like a... It's a transient hotel. Yes. It's like It reminded me of the Blues Brothers. I know you're not as big a Blues Brothers fan as me. Yeah, where as Elwood Blues lived... Uh, but there's a shared payphone, and he's waiting for the phone to ring because he's waiting to hear back if he made the what? cut in Satan's Alley. I didn't understand how that worked because at first he's going to the the guy who kind of operates the front desk, and he asks if he has any messages. Sure. So where well, do they call? Do they call the payphone or do they call I'm, the front desk? I imagine they call the payphone, and if someone picks up, if he's not there and someone picks up, so I'm trying to reach Tony Monero, it's up to your neighbors to have the the kindness to be like, oh, I'll I'll leave a message with the guy at the front desk. You got to depend on the kindness of strangers. Yeah, basically. But he's there. He's he's like pacing back and forth, That's waiting true. for the phone to ring, and the face he's making, he looks like a psychopath. I mean, it's supposed to be like his really like worked up in terms of I could, for the one of the few times I only just watched this this morning, so. <laughs> This is the rare case where my rental hasn't run out yet. Uh, did you, how many times have you watched it? I sadly watched it twice. I watched it once. I watched it once this morning. Here, just the look on his face. He looked like there's all these people in the hotel with him. And I, w- I would not be sharing this space with him. Look at him. Ring. He's waiting for the phone to ring. You are. He just has a. He looks like he's about to murder somebody. You know why? I was so distracted by the music in this, is actually the reason I didn't notice his face. And then he almost knocks down an old man when the phone does ring. And he's kind of dancing, too. He's, well, he's got, like, a transistor radio. Watch this. <laughs> he looks like he's a madman. Yes. you got to look out for number one. 
That's true. You do. It's, it was, it was, I don't know if that's a Frank Stallone song though, so I didn't uh, I pay attention know. to it. I'm only interested in Frank Stallone. I didn't notice the face. That is a good catch. He just seemed so crazy. It just seems like a like what a choice. You'd think Stallone would be like, you look like a madman. Maybe tone it please, down a little. Please bit. do something else. I've got notes here. I'm I'm scanning through my notes to see if any anything else worth talking about. It was a tough movie. It really was. Yeah, I don't think it's the worst movie we've watched on this podcast. But no, it's, but it's just it's it's bland and not not very interesting. So you're right. Oh, I, I wouldn't call this movie bland. Really? Oh, I would. It's I, I mean it's very extreme parts. Like the whole Satan's Alley performance at the end is like laser beams and you know. Okay. Uh, then fine. Boring. I mean, I, honestly, I was. I was extremely bored watching this movie. Yeah, it's pretty boring. Um, it was a it was a financial success, which was surprising to me when I looked that up. <laughs> that reminds me. I don't know if you saw the trivia about the the potential movie that Stallone and uh, Travolta could have springboarded to. No, I didn't. I saw this on IMDb, and I, I take everything I see in there with a grain of yeah. salt. Generally, don't don't really bring a lot of IMDb trivia onto this podcast because I don't trust it. But just the idea of this is so ridiculous. <laughs> even if somebody just made it up. Yeah, even if somebody made it up, it's such a ridiculous idea that because this movie did pretty well and Paramount wanted to continue the collaboration between Sylvester Stallone and Travolta, um, and also one of the things that could have happened was Travolta being in Rambo 2. That was a thing that was floated. For some reason, people thought this would be a good team-up to continue. And they pitched the two of them to write and star in... The Godfather Part 3. Ah. This is when Coppola didn't want to come back, and they, Paramount still wanted to do a third one. They said, well, Sylvester Stallone, you're Italian. Why don't you write and direct The Godfather 3? And it'll be you and John Travolta as like rival mob bosses. Who knows if it would have had any connection to you know, the rest of the, the movie. I'll say this. As bad as Godfather 3 is, maybe it would have been better. But Godfather 3 is a terrible movie. I am a little bit of a... I watched it like five years ago, and I found it to be better than I remembered. Because I remember hating it when I saw it in college, and then for years I hadn't watched it. It has a very, I mean, <laughs> we may as well talk about something other than staying alive, so <laughs> this is the Godfather 3 Talking minute. about sequels that are terrible, you can yeah. put Staying Alive and Godfather 3 in the same boat as far as I'm concerned. I think Staying Alive, they, Entertainment Weekly did a story in like 2006 of the worst sequels ever, and Staying Alive was number one. Wow. I think Godfather 3 was somewhere on the list. Godfather 3 really starts off on the wrong foot. Like, the first 45 minutes are really bad. Because it's just, it's very, like, soap operation. It feels like a parody of the first two movies in some way. It's, it's, it's bad. But I think, as the movie goes on, I think it rounds itself back into feeling like a Godfather movie. I will, it's, not, it's not good, but it's, I, I don't think, think it's as bad. As, I think it's a, a bad movie. I will give you that the back half is, is stronger than the front half. That, that I will give you. To me, it's... It's the beginnings of Scent of a Woman, Pacino. I, there's, there's just so much of Godfather 3 that I think is bad. Yeah, but he's supposed to be old. He's playing older than he was. Because a lot of time had passed between I Godfather know, but, 2 and 3. So, like, what, Pacino was probably, like, late 40s, early 50s when he... At the time, he was playing, like, 70, right? Yeah, but it was the beginnings of yelling Pacino, which I don't... I never understood why Pacino had to yell. He yelled in 2. Like, my home! Where my children play with their toys! He yells. It's, he, it was far more subtle than this. And you can't and, blame it on his yelling. If you think his performance is bad, fine. Like that's. I can that's say. A, a, a I can say this: thing. the collaboration between these two, I would have at least been willing to hear it. Meaning Travolta and Stallone, because Godfather Three is certainly not a good movie. 
Godfather 3 is bad, but I don't think it like destroys the legacy. It's not... No, I just ignore it. I pretend sure. it doesn't exist. I think it would be tougher to ignore if, if uh, Stallone and Travolta just did some arbitrary... Or maybe it would be easier to ignore because if it was like totally yeah, separate... Yeah, say it's, it's complete, completely detached from Godfather 1 and 2. Sure. Wow. Uh, anyway, I, we, can, we can wrap up. I'm scrolling through my notes. I did... I find the Allstate joke jarring for reasons that I'm Thank, sure. Well, yeah, for your personal reasons for working there, I, I certainly haven't gone back to try and find YouTube videos of commercials from the 70s. I found it jarring. I'm like, wow, they've been using that. Ta- I mean, I guess oh, that's it's been there. It's, they've been using that since like the 40s or something. I guess it, I, it makes sense, but it, it felt, I'm like, no, shouldn't, shouldn't Dennis Haysbert really be saying this? This doesn't <laughs> well, seem no. right. Yeah, Dennis Haysbert wasn't their pitch man I in 83, but... I know that. Thank <laughs> I'm you. I'm just saying they've been using that forever. <laughs> You're actually mad at me for like, Well, it's like you think I'm dumb? Of course I know that. But it just it feel it it felt out of place in the 1980s. So No, but that was their slogan then. It, 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 I found it jarring for my own reasons. Personal reasons. All right, fair enough. <laughs> I don't think you're dumb. I just, you're you're the one who brought up Dennis Haysbert. People may not even know who that is. I got. All right, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Here, here's a here's maybe a good discussion topic. So we've got a little bit of a little bit of time. No, we can wrap episode. up. I'm no, not no, trying. No. I'm not trying to pad out. I, just, I have notes. I'm scanning. I through. I like this concept that this might have been at least on somebody. I you know not necessarily mine, but worst sequels of all time. I think that that's that's interesting. What what would you put in Indiana Jones and the King of the Crystal Skull? <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. I don't even have to think twice. You think that's the worst sequel of all yes. time? Yes. Is it? Be- all right. Hold on. Is it because here? I think. I think. Is it inherent? Because- inherent to the idea is that it has to be a sequel to a good movie. It's, I, to me, the worst sequel is the biggest disparity between yeah. the best of the series and the worst of the series. I think that that's fair. I think. Does it? Is it the one that first comes springs to your mind because you're a huge Indiana Jones fan? I mean, in part, but it's also one of the worst movies ever made. All right. So it's worse than any Star Wars movie, prequel or no. One of the first that comes to my mind, and maybe it's unfair to lump in comedies with dramas, Caddyshack 2 is, is up there as maybe the, the worst sequel of all time. Caddyshack 2 is bad, but I have a certain ironic appreciation for Caddyshack 2. It's so bad that I kind of think... Are you serious? I can't get through it. I love Jackie Mason as a, as a, because he's so bad. The idea that he could replace Rodney Dangerfield, and they're just like, ah, you know, he's he's the same. They're the same thing, Rodney Dangerfield and Jackie Mason. The idea that the the, the, the studio thought he would be an appropriate replacement is but hilarious. It doesn't stop there. Dan Aykroyd for Bill Murray is oh, a that's, terrible decision. Yeah, it's embarrassing what Dan Aykroyd's doing in that movie. That's not ironically good. I just no. It I, I it's I, some of the worst comedy I've ever seen. I, I find it funny when because. You know, Chevy Chase has that like na 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 thing that yeah. like Zen whatever he he yeah. does, and he's like Zen golf, and he tries to teach Jackie Mason this, and Jackie Mason, the actor, can't do the na 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 na. It's in the script, na 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 na. But when he when he puts and he's supposed to be going na 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 na, instead he goes na 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 because he can't do na 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 na. And I just find sure that that wasn't a choice that Jackie Mason. No, I think that's Jackie Mason not being able to. You know, or just not caring or whatever. So you think Caddyshack 2 is better than Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull? Not necessarily, but I don't have as much fondness for Caddyshack, so uh, I don't think the disparity is, is as much. I mean, like Jaws 4. There's plenty of sequels like that where it's just like nobody cared about those movies. Superman 4. Yeah, there, there, there are a lot where when you get 
further down in the franchise, it's just no one was trying. So I don't even know if you can even like right. So care. I'm trying to think of something else that just jumps right out at me. I, what's funny is I wouldn't have thought Indiana Jones, but I'm also not the huge Indiana Jones fan that you are. I'll take my word for it. Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Have you even seen that movie? No, I had zero okay, interest. yeah, because you've never even seen. You've what seen Raiders and that's it, or no? I've seen. I saw through Last Crusade. Oh, okay. I thought you'd only seen like one of those. No, I mean I'm not. I haven't seen them right, multiple, right. multiple, multiple times. I've. I know you're probably annoyed, but I think I've seen Last Crusade probably the most most times of of any of them. Okay, well, whatever. I mean, it, it makes sense considering our age. Yeah, like that's that's but, not that unusual. I don't think. I, I can tell you right now, there there was an easy decision for me. It was a casting decision. It was an immediate no as soon as. If Shy is in it, there, there's n- there's no interest. Oh, that's justified. But you know, I still had to see it. I, I can give you another one that's a that's a big again. I think maybe comedy is unfair because it's hard to replicate. I think the magic of certain comedies. I can tell you right now, Major League Two. Oh, is it bad? Oh, I like Major League Two. I think it's Are relatively you? watchable. No, come on, White Lightning, Black Thunder. That's that's a watchable movie. It's not as good. I'm not saying it's as good. I will watch Major oh, League Two anytime. I am. I'm. You have no marbles. I, I'm. <laughs> not you. Speaking of I'm Dennis Haysbert, I'm at a loss. That movie. Oh, is I like that awful. subplot of him becoming a Buddhist or whatever. Are you th- the entire that movie's fine? It's not. No, it's not. Major League Two is awful. It's not awful. I will. I mean, have you seen Major League Three? If you want to talk about a bad Major League movie. I, That's awful. After seeing Major League Two, there was no need to see any more of those. You movies. need to see it to see how much worse it can Back get. To the minors, Back to I the do, minors. I do not need to see it. Well, you don't need to see it, but I won't accept the judgment of Major League Two as awful when Major League Three. How exists. can you say that movie is watchable? It's watchable. It's it's entertaining. Is it as good? No. I think there are some some of the sports moments in that movie work are as effective as the first movie. No way. The the final game where I mean, as a White Sox fan, I'm somewhat offended by the idea of the White Sox being the villains when they hadn't won anything. Oh, they, the evil like they're, they're you know the perennial like, perennial champions, the White Sox. Like what? They, they never hadn't. But the time that script was being written, yeah, they were rivals with the Indians, and the White Sox had a very good team at the time. Right, but that's the reason. It was why. premature. The, I, don't, honestly, don't make the White Sox the, the villains. The best and most watchable thing about that was the the arrogant free agent Jack Parkman was yeah. probably the best part of that movie. I agree. He's very good. And that's, that's the moment I'm thinking of where, uh, you know, uh, Vaughn strikes out Jack Parkman. It's an effective moment. It actually kind of like as, as a sports moment, it gets me, gives me chills a little bit. I think oh, it's really effective. No it's, Rewatch that movie. I, I don't, I don't need to. It's terrible. I thought you were going to say Randy, Air, Randy. Oh, airplane, airplane two, two is too. bad. That's, well. that's what I thought you were going to say when you're talking about comedies. Airplane two is really bad too. There's plenty of bad sequels. I don't know. I mean, I can't stand Alien Resurrection as an Alien fan. I, I can't stand. Uh, I already know. Does this does Prometheus count? Is that that's a prequel? Okay. I mean, I've never seen you as angry walking out of a theater. I, I, we don't go to you know like every movie we don't see together. We we see a we've seen a decent amount together. Sure. Yeah, so, we, ha- we happen to see that one together. Yeah. But what I, I guess what I'm saying is that I've seen you know many movies with you. Oh, sure. Out. You have a baseline to know right. what my typical reaction is. I, you were. Angry. Yeah, I was angry at that movie. <laughs> Are you still, by the way? Oh yeah, I hate Prometheus. I there's there's value in Prometheus. I mean, I'm a big Alien fan. More Aliens than Alien. I like I love both those first two movies. Alien three, I will defend. But Prometheus like goes out of its way to 
ruin Alien in a lot of ways. <laughs> it explains things about the first movie that I just choose to ignore because it's like not only is it not interesting, it actually like it's just wrong and it's just a stupid movie. The, the, what what bothers me more than anything was I don't know if this still exists. We should probably wrap up. This, we're like we're we're not even on the podcast at this point. We're just like chatting <laughs> about movies at this point. Um, maybe we should do like a, just a general chat at some point of just like whatever because this is, this is just like this is why we did this podcast is this is what we talk about yeah it's uh, <laughs> just on our spare time but prometheus the thing that i don't know if it still exists but i think what bothered me more was like the cult that formed around that movie of just like no you don't understand this movie is deep and it is important like this this like online defenders God, of prometheus I it's like to, this is the stupidest movie i've ever seen i need to you pull guys you are, out of the internet sometimes there's so many times that you just get pulled down by these rabid fans about things and their insanity that it like ruins things for you. I need to pull you out of the internet sometimes. No, I don't think it's, it didn't ruin anything. I, I, I already disliked the movie. I know that, but the fact that you're annoyed that they exist, just ignore the fact that they're even out there in the first place, because you're right. I saw it. It was not a good movie. There was nothing deep about it. I wouldn't be annoyed by it. If the movie wasn't trying to encourage it. You know, there there are people who would defend any movie, and you know, doesn't bother me except for the fact that the movie is trying to convince us how deep and profound it is. And people bought it hook, line, and sinker, and that's the thing that that annoyed. If nobody had bought it, I would have been like, "All right, the movie is trying real hard to convince us of how important it is," and it failed, and nobody bought it. But the fact that people bought it—that's the thing that All kind right. of annoyed me. Right. It, it's the combination of the two things. You know, all right. So that it's, uh, it's like if a con man doesn't convince, doesn't con anybody. If nobody buys it, then I can't hate the person. They're just an idiot. But when a con man is actually like bilking people out of money, I'm mad at both the con man and the people who are being built. You understand? That's how I feel about Prometheus. Touche. All right. All right. Let's wrap up. So that was uh, that was staying alive. That was a movie that I think neither of us ever need to see again. Yeah, I, I I regret suggesting we cover it. Yeah, you know what though? For these bonus episodes, you got to come up with ideas, and some of the ideas, I, the one before this, I will tell you right now, I am glad that we did, and that I know that Rambo, the Force of Freedom, exists. Sure, yeah, this I'm gets not, offset by that. Yes, yeah. I'm not glad to know that Staying Alive exists. Well, this is the only Sylvester Stallone the movie that Sylvester Stallone directed that he did not star in. We've got two more left of his movies he directed. We've got Rocky Balboa and Rambo Four left. So, you know, as completionists, we've we've done it. Yeah, we we've we've done our due diligence. So, uh we've got we're we're the plans are to do one more bonus episode and this one's going to be a little bit uh a little bit different really than both that we've done this uh this season. This break, yeah. We, I mean, we did the Muppet show, we've done stuff like this in the past. In the past. That's what um, I'm saying. This break is different than the two that we've done. Yeah. So, uh we've been talking about doing this for a while just in terms of Again, being somewhat completionist. And I think now is maybe the time to pull the trigger on this one. So, next episode. Again, we're on a break. So, let's say in four weeks. We're shooting for every four weeks to put, put these out. Uh, we're going to cover the Saturday Night Live episode that Sylvester Stallone hosted in Wait. September 1997. I already looked up. Which I know nothing about. The only thing that I know is I'm assuming that... The audio clip that you dropped with Will Ferrell, which 1997, Will Ferrell was on Saturday Night Live? I think it was his first season. It might have been his oh. first. It's the opening episode of that season. So oh, it might wow. have even been the first time he was ever on Saturday Night Live. I'm not sure. Man, what movie was Stallone promoting? Copland. Was it Copland? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, I rewatched some of it because I was trying to see if there were enough, if it was available <laughs> enough, enough. out there for us to do it. Exactly. The whole episode, and who knows how, how it's going to work out in different countries, because mostly we're going to be watching this on NBC's website, because they've got like each sketch available. It doesn't have the musical guest. It's Jamira Kwai. How's that for 1997? I don't even know who that is. <laughs> really? No. Virtual Insanity. You'll know the song. I'll play you this, this song. All right. I have the no music clue. video where he slid around. He is on like a... Move the set moved around him. He, he danced around uh, furniture. Apparently, I was speaking of dance. You know, it, it was a good video. It was a memorable video. Apparently, I was looking forward to graduation because I was not. No, this is September. This is a I full know nine months before. That's what I'm saying is that I must have been that focused that <laughs> it was had, a full nine months before. You had senioritis nine months before graduation to the degree that you weren't even paying attention to pop culture. I have no idea the words that you just said for the musical guest. Don't know the song. I mean, don't know the performance. Yeah, knowing you doesn't surprise me because, I mean, it wouldn't have been up your alley. Okay. I owned the album, the, the Jamiroquai album. The Are you proud to say that you owned it? I liked it at the time. It is kind of disco. It was like a 90s pseudo-disco revival in a, in a way. All right. um, it was okay. The, the album was bad, but that song is okay. All right. You'll, you, I, I'll bet you you'll recognize I'll play the the video. All right. Uh, well, so with that, yeah. So the next episode is going to be uh, us doing Stallone's hosting of Saturday Night Live in 1997. Yeah. So I, point being, I, I know not every episode's available online, and I don't know how it's going to be in other countries because NBC, I think, blocks stuff outside of the U.S. I'm so sure. yeah. uh, maybe we'll just play them on the episode. Remains to be seen how we're going to deal with it. Yep. But it had to be dealt with at some point, so now is as good a time as any. Yeah, other. so good uh, final bonus episode, and then after we finish up with that, it's going to be your pick to lead us off for it, the next season. It will be. Yeah. I already know what the plan is. Right. I'll save it until next episode. We'll see uh, We'll see if you steal my first pick, because I know what my first pick I is. I guarantee you it will not be your first pick. Wow. How can you guarantee that? <laughs> because, well, I mean, maybe your point of view has changed since uh, the last time this movie was discussed, but... I'm pretty sure you will not. You would not be picking this. Oh man, I don't. Don't worry to, about it. You'll find out next. I episode. don't want to wager a guess. All right. So if you've enjoyed the show, which this one you probably haven't, uh, much like the movie, <laughs> staying alive. Whatever. But it's if a bonus you have, episode, it is. Uh, but if you enjoy the show, whether this one or any other show, please like us on your podcast app of choice and. Give us a favorable review. It certainly helps. And uh, we look forward to any feedback on this or other episodes. We are at Arms Race Podcast on Twitter. Yeah, and if you know someone who might like the show, uh, please let them know about the show. Word of mouth helps us quite a bit. And that's that. Mike is distracted by something. <laughs> I was fine. <laughs> I, I was waiting for you to close up the show, and I looked over, and you were you were like not even on the podcast anymore. <laughs> I was very much in the podcast because, I was, because what I was going to say is we'll be back with... Sylvester Stallone hosting Saturday Night Live. You should have done it like Don Pardo. We'll be back with Sylvester Stallone hosting Saturday Night Live. That I definitely would not have thought to have done. That was a very bad impression of Don Pardo. No, it was not well done. Ooh, hey, hey. Oh, what we're living in. Let me tell you.